Today, as we open our Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Daniel. And we've been talking about the book of Daniel for about two weeks now. This is our third week. And in this week's study, we're, we're going to do a quick recap to remember where we are. The nation of Israel has been destroyed. Nebuchadnezzar, the leader of the Babylonian Empire, the most powerful empire in the world at the time, has come to Israel, has destroyed Jerusalem, the capital city, has destroyed their walls, destroyed the temple, destroyed the government, slaughtered most of, almost all the army, and all that's left are the old people and the young people. And so they've taken captive some of the Israelites and taken them all the way to Babylon to be their slaves. So Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are four of the men that we talked about, I should say young boys, who were taken across and put in this new environment. But we talked about how they're still following God, they're still obeying the laws of God, even though they're far from home. And it doesn't matter what environment you put these guys in, they still love God. They're not determined by the environment around them, they're determined and they're defined by the men that they are of God. So we saw that, and then we also saw that they were Christian, or they were uh, believers in God regardless of the cost. Didn't matter if it cost them having certain food, didn't matter if it cost them their job being made fun of, or even cost them their life. They said, I'm following God, and I don't care what the price that needs to be paid is, because what I get in knowing God, the gift of knowing God, is better than any cost that I could pay. The treasure of Him is greater than any cost I could pay. So we learned that last week. So we're actually going to backtrack a little bit. We're going to talk about Daniel interpreting a dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar over the Babylonian Empire. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And it's, it's a bad dream. He's actually a little bit afraid of his dream. You ever think about that like everybody dreams? Some people just don't remember it. But everybody dreams from, you know, little baby dreams all the way up to the President of the United States dreams. Sometimes everybody has a bad dream. Sometimes maybe Mr. President wakes up and he goes, no, oh, oh, it's okay, I'm safe, I'm safe. Okay, Secret Service are here. And you know, maybe he has a bad dream and wakes up, but the king of the empire wakes up, has a bad dream, and he wants to know what the dream means. He's like, maybe this dream has a meaning or something. So he brings in his chief officials, his, his advisors, his cabinet, like the presidential cabinet. He goes, all right, guys, here's the mission. I, I want you to tell me the dream that I had and then tell me what it means. And the guys go, okay, great, so tell us the dream, and then we'll tell you what it means. He goes, no, I'm not going to tell you the dream, because you could just make up anything. It's like, oh, I think that the uh, elephant you saw represents strongness and strength, and uh, they could just make something up. So like, I don't, I don't want to tell you the dream. You tell me what my dream was. And the guys are like, well, King, that's uh, impossible, Okay. I can interpret it for you, but there's no way I can read your mind, or I wasn't in your dream last night. Like, you can tell me about your dream, but I, I can't tell you about your dream. I can tell you about my own. And the king goes, no, I'm tired of this. You know what? I'm going to kill all of you officials because you're useless. He just gets kind of angry. It's kind of bad having a king sometimes because he just gets angry and he just decides, I'm going to kill people. So he decides, I'm going to kill all of my officials because they can't help me with this. Well, Daniel and his three friends hear about this. And they hadn't spoken to the king yet. And they send word to the king and they say, hey, give us one day to pray to our God and we will figure out what you dreamed. The king goes, okay, one day, but after a day, I'm going to kill you. And then he says, I'm going to turn your houses into rubble. Just going to destroy your houses too, just for fun. So he's like, all right, cool. So Daniel and his friends pray. They fast. This is where they took a time and they didn't eat food 
to focus on prayer and like, no, God, we need your help. What was this dream that the king had? Here's the cool thing about God, guys. God knows everything, and he shares it with us sometimes. And he shared with Daniel the dream that the king had, and he shared with him what it meant. So Daniel goes before the king, and he says, Oh, king, uh, I have learned what your dream was. My God is great and told me what your dream was. I'm not anything special. Okay, I don't know anything unique. I'm not any different from these guys here, but I serve a God who knows all things, and he told me what your dream was. The king goes, All right, let's hear it. And so Daniel tells him what the dream was. Let's read what the dream of the king was. It says down here in verse uh, 31. It says, You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, and its chest of arms of silver, and its belly and thighs of bronze, and its legs of iron and its feet partially of iron and partially of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron and the clay and the bronze and the silver and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time, and they became like shaft on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without, without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain that filled the whole earth. So Daniel tells him, he goes, all right, king, you dreamed of this big statue, and it's made of different metals. And there's a head of gold, there's arms of silver, there's like kind of an abs and uh, lower body of bronze, and then the legs are iron. And then the bottom, there's uh, ten, ten different toes, and the toes are made of clay and iron. And then you dream that this big rock came from the sky, wasn't a rock made by man. It smashed into the statue. The statue obliterated into nothing, into dust, and blew away with the wind. That's what you dream, but the rock remained. The king hears this and is in awe. Daniel goes, I'm not done. The dream had a meaning, and here's what the meaning is, okay? Following you, there will be three other empires, four great empires to follow. Your empire will be the first, and it will be a gold, like the golden head that you saw in the dream. And it will be the most splendous. Splendous, that's not a word. Splendorous. It's not a word either. I'm going to stick with it. Splendorous. It will be the most splendorous, okay? Then after that, we'll follow a second kingdom. And it will be divided. And it will be the kingdom that you saw of silver, like the body parts that were silver. Then there will be a third kingdom that will follow, one of bronze. Then there will be a fourth kingdom that follows, the one of iron of the legs. And he predicts that these kingdoms will follow. And Nebuchadnezzar hears this. King Neb hears this and is amazed. And he goes, surely your God is amazing. That he knew what I dreamed up in my head. He read my mind or gave me that dream. And surely he's amazing because he told you what it meant. And he actually sent out a decree to all the land and said, everyone should know that the God of this Daniel guy is an amazing God, for he knows all things. And you read that and you go, oh, that's kind of a cool story. Like, you know, God helped him interpret this dream and he learned what is, I mean, that'd be kind of fun power to have. Like you walk into, you know, lunch and you sit down and you're like, hey, Phil, how you doing? Oh, great, man. Hey, cool. And you're like pulling out your lunch and staring at him awkwardly. So... How was the uh, fight you saw between Lucky Charms and Toucan Sam last night? You're like, 
What? Yeah, I saw a fight between a leprechaun and a parrot, and they fought, and then afterwards they went out for sushi. What up? I know what you dreamed last night. How did you know? That'd be creepy to just creep your friends out. You know what I mean? Or look at your friend and be like, I forgive you. For what? I know that you stole my clarinet in your dream last night. Oh, my goodness. Let's just creep them out like that. Like, how do you know what Dream Barrett did? Please stop. That's just creeping me out here, okay? But, but God knows all things and spoke to Daniel and said, here is what the king dreamed last night. God knows all things. And here's the even more incredible part about this story. Daniel not only predicted or, or, or understood what uh, the king had dreamed, but Daniel also told the future. He told the future. Because he here in this dream predicted the next 1,000 years of world history in this dream. I say, well, how did he know the next 1,000 years of history? Because God knows the next 1,000 years of history. God knows the next 10,000 years of history. God knows when history and time itself will end because God is the one who created the beginning of time because God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all things. God is amazing. And here's what he did. He predicted the next four empires that would exist for the next 4,000 years. If you guys take a world history course. You might not take it in middle school. I know that I took it in, I think, ninth grade. I took ninth grade world history, AP. It was hard and terrible, but I liked it. And uh, we learned some stuff, okay? We learned that King Nebuchadnezzar wasn't just a character in a book. He was an actual real king, because the Bible's truthful. And he existed, and he ruled over the Babylonian Empire. And you can actually go in the museum in Britain, and I've been there, and it's really cool. There are actually pictures depicting Nebuchadnezzar besieging Israel. And you can see him bragging about when he went into Israel and destroyed the Israelites and brought them back as slaves. And there's historical accurate, you know, on stone, Nebuchadnezzar drawing out how he conquered the Israelites. But there was this first empire. Then after the Israelite Empire, there was one called the Medo-Persian Empire. You can read about that as well. And it was a two-sided empire. And it was cool because he describes it as two arms. And it was the Medo and the Persian. Then after that came Alexander the Great. You might have heard about him. He ruled over the Greek Empire. And he conquered the whole known world. And he was represented in the bronze of the statue. Then after the Greek Empire, the Romans took over the entire world and had the Roman Empire, which lasted almost a thousand years. And then after, actually during the Roman Empire, the most important historical moment happened in history. It's so pivotal, this moment in history, that we keep our years, 2016, is marked by when this moment took place. And it's when Jesus Christ came to earth and was born and died on the cross for our sins. It's so important that 2,016 years ago it happened and we mark our calendars by it during the Roman Empire. But here's what happened. Daniel made a prediction and he said, okay, the next 1,000 years, here's what's going down. There's going to be this empire, okay? He didn't know the name of it, but he, well, actually he did. It was the Babylonian Empire. He says after that empire will come a second empire. It will be a two-sided empire, the Medo-Persian. Then after that's going to be another empire, it's going to be made of bronze, and it was the uh, Greek Empire. Then after that will come the Roman Empire, and it, it will be a strong one, and it will last for a while. And then God will come from heaven down to earth. 
And one day he will obliterate all nations, all empires will stand in awe of God as he comes. And everything is, is pushed aside as he establishes his kingdom on earth. That part of the dream has yet to happen yet when Jesus will establish his kingdom on this earth in a new heaven. So there's still part of the dream that hasn't been fulfilled yet and will be fulfilled in the future. But Daniel predicted a thousand years of world history. It's not impressive to make a prediction. It's impressive to make a prediction and it actually happens. If I were to tell you, hey guys, tomorrow at uh, 3.45 a.m., Justin Bieber will walk through this door with a cowboy hat on, dressed like a pretty princess, uh, and his cheek will have the number seven written on it, and he'll say, hey guys, lucky charms of the eastern seaboard of Gondor, and walk out, okay? That's what he's going to say. You'd be like, that's weird, Barrett. But if it actually happened at 347, I think I said, a.m., Justin Bieber walks in with a cowboy hat on, dressed like a pretty princess with the number seven written on his cheek, and says, hey guys, long live lucky charms of the eastern seaboard, and walks out, you'd be like, Barrett, how? And if I said to you, hey, uh, I can tell you on a piece of paper all of the pop quizzes you'll have until you graduate college. You'd be like, please give me this piece of paper. I want to know when every pop quiz will be. And then you'd be amazed as each week, there's the pop quiz, there's the pop quiz, there it is. there's another one. Hey guys, it's going to be a pop quiz day. Pop quiz. And you knew every one for the rest of your life. You'd be amazed. The prediction isn't impressive. It actually coming true is impressive. And the reason that Daniel knows the future is not because Daniel's anything special, but because God knows the future and Daniel listened to God and God told him. God has three incredible qualities we learned about called the three omnis. We're going to throw those up now. I want to see if you guys remember what these different ones meant. Does anyone remember what the first one meant? Omnipotent. Anyone remember what that means? Yes, sir? All-powerful. Correct. means all-powerful. And we remember that because, or at least I remember it, because it says omnipotent. And I think po, I think po, 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 power is how I remember it. I go po, po, power, and God is all powerful, okay? Omnipresent. Someone raise your hand and tell me, what does omnipresent mean? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, he's always there. He's all present. He's everywhere at the same time. It's not like God's in Canada, and then he can't go to Texas, and then he goes to Texas, and then he's not in Florida. He's all those places at one time. And then the last one, uh, yes, sir? Yeah, he knows everything. Omniscient. He knows everything. So I look at this one, and I see the word science in there. See the word science right there after omni? And I don't know science. I definitely don't know all of science. I know maybe part of science, like a very little small of it. Uh, but God knows all of science. Actually, he knows all of everything because he's all-knowing. And that's the one that we see here, that God not only knows what every dream of every human being is at the moment, God knows every moment of human history that will go on for all of time because God is all-knowing. And he gave this knowledge in a moment to Daniel. We serve a God who is all-knowing. And you hear that and you're like, wow, that's kind of cool. Okay, God's all-knowing. He knows about dreams. He knows about the future. But I want to share something with you that's even cooler. We can share in what God knows, in his wisdom, in his knowledge about the things that they are, the things that have been, and the things that will be, about what is true and what is not. And we can share in knowing all that right here in his Bible. God's word 
is in this book. And each week you walk in and maybe you bring your own Bible from home. Maybe you pick one off the shelf and you're like, oh, that's a book and it's got words in it. But do you ever think about how these words got here? Ever, ever think about that? You ever think about what this book really means? I mean, we study it every week. What's the importance of this? I want us to, to go through a little bit of an understanding of understanding that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and this Bible gives us the opportunity to know more about God and more about the future, even. So let's go through a little bit about where the Bible came from and some facts about it. We'll throw up some Bible facts. So the Bible is actually written in three different languages. It's written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. The majority of it's in Hebrew because the Jewish people uh, wrote most of it. And uh, luckily, if you have noticed, this is not in Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic. I can't read those languages, and you can't probably either, so that would be hard. So what we do is we have translated it over the years into different languages we can understand, like English. And there are actually different translations, all with the same understanding of the word, but maybe if you go to the beginning of your book, it says NIV, New Living Translation. That's a certain translation of the Bible. Maybe you have a different Bible and your Bible says King James. And it sounds a little bit different. The King James was written a couple years ago, actually a while ago. And the reason it sounds a little bit different is because the people spoke differently then. And it says like, thou and theeth God thy great thoueth thee thy. It says a lot of those because that's how they spoke back then. But now we speak a little different. So we translated it into a newer version, the NIV, so we can understand a little bit better. We can read it and process it. And there's different translations of it. Uh, so um, over the years, it's been written by 40 different authors. Now, ultimately, God is the only author. God is the one who wrote these words. But God spoke these words to different people over time who wrote the book. The book was written on three different continents uh, in the world, and it took about 2,000 years to complete. Genesis was written at a certain point, and then 2,000 years later, the last book, Revelation, was written. And Revelation was the last book of the Bible. There won't be any more. If somebody comes up to you like, hey, dude, I have the book of Phil. It's great. You're going to love it. I just wrote it. My name's Phil. So it's going to go into the Bible. I'm thinking we'll slide it in here before Genesis, the first book of the Bible. You know, new book of Phil. So it'll be Phil, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. It'll be great, okay? No, it's not how it works, okay? The Bible is complete with revelation. It was the last book, and it was written by the last living apostle or disciple of Jesus, John. And so that was the final book. There's no more to be written. And the first book was Genesis, written by Moses about the beginning and the Bible is now complete, and, and we find in here that this is the most incredible book ever written. Incredible. Let me give you two things I want you guys to understand about the Bible. First, the Bible is true. There's truth in every line that is in the Bible. Did you know that in the Bible, there are over 2,500 prophecies about what will happen? And already... 2,000 of those prophecies have already happened. The Bible has made 2,000 predictions and it's been right. 2,500 predictions and already 2,000 of them have happened. If your friend starts making predictions, you might start believing what it's, he's predicting. It's like, hey, there's going to be so many trips right there. Oh, somebody tripped. Hey, your hair's going to turn purple right now. Oh, my hair's purple. You're going to start believing him when he says, hey, it's going to rain tomorrow. It's probably going to rain tomorrow because he's been right this many times. If he's right 2,000 times, you might start listening to him. Be like, okay, he probably knows what's going on here. 
The Bible has been right on 2,000 of its 2,500 predictions, and the rest just haven't happened yet. The Bible also has been consistent and hasn't changed over the years, yet science changes all the time. Let me explain. The heavens and the earth in the beginning, there was a moment when the universe was created. And scientists are over here like... <laughs> Stupid Christians. Ooh, you think the earth was created at a certain time? No, it's always been here. It's eternal, everlasting. Well, then some smart dude named Albert Einstein's like, oh, actually, the, the universe is constantly expanding, and if you contract that into a single point, it means that there was a starting point of the universe, meaning that there was a moment when the universe began. Scientists are like, let me get my eraser again. Okay, earth, is, uh, the world is not eternal. It had a beginning. See, we knew that. And then they start making things up like, uh, the earth is now millions of years old. Then that wasn't enough. So they got their eraser out. Okay, not millions, billions of years old. And they'll probably come back in a couple of years and read textbooks to your kids. They'll be like, trillions of years old. Because they keep coming up and changing things. But check this out. The Bible doesn't change. The Bible says the world, for the last almost 5,000 years, as Genesis has said, the world had a moment where it began and God created it. And that hasn't changed. The Bible actually was ahead of modern uh, medical science. The Bible was saying, before humans had microscopes to look at germs, the Bible was saying, hey, if somebody's sick, uh, quarantine them and put them in their own tent away from the camp so everybody else doesn't get sick. And people thought, well, that's kind of a weird thing to do. Why would they do that? Well, they didn't know about germs. They didn't know if you don't wash your hands, you're going to get germs from somebody who's sick because they didn't know about germs. But God knew about it before they did. And the Bible was way ahead of that. The Bible is also true and that it predicted some incredible things. One of the things the Bible predicted, uh, in, in the Bible, uh, we saw where uh, Isaiah predicted. He said, hey, okay, so in 180 years from now, there's going to be a dude named Cyrus who will be king over Persia. And they're like, what's Persia? It's going to be a country. Don't worry about it. And they're going to take over the world and they're going to release all the Jews to go back home and establish their home again. And sure enough, 180 years later, there was a man named Cyrus, and he was the king over the Persian Empire, and he released all of the people to go back from their place to Jerusalem and rebuild Israel. There was a prediction in the Bible that Israel would become a country again, a nation again, independent. And people laughed at it, and people used to make fun of the Bible because it said that Israel would have its own country. And yet in 1947, as recently as this century, there was a time when Israel became a nation again. And that prophecy came true. And it's amazing to see the different things the Bible has predicted that have taken place over the years. Because guys, the Bible is true because it was written by God. God doesn't make mistakes. God's word is perfect and true. And what you read in here, you can believe because it's accurate. Also, God's word is powerful. It's powerful. Do you know the best-selling book of all time? Right here. The Bible. No book has ever been read more, studied more, written about more than this. This book has changed lives. It's taken people who are addicted to drugs and freed them from their addictions. It's taken people who were dead and lost in depression and given them hope. It's changed nations and turned them upside down. It's 
book has changed the world and their lives. And this book is so powerful that there are countries that they will kill you if they catch you with this book because the books, the words inside this book are so dangerous that you might become dangerous if you read this book. North Korea, if you're caught with a Bible, they'll kill you because they're afraid of the power that this book has to change lives. This book right here is powerful. And, and I don't want you to pick this up and you go home and you set this on your dresser and you're like, whoa, I wonder if it's warm or glowing or if I throw it at my brother, it will make him disappear. Or I wonder if it's like a magical wand. That's not it, okay? This is just paper. This is just ink. I remember once I dropped my Bible on the ground and it got in some mud and I'm like, God is going to strike me with lightning. This is this so bad. This is so bad. That's not how it works But because th this is just paper made from a tree and just ink. There's nothing sacred necessarily about just the book, but the words. The words that are unchanging, the words that have power to them, the words that are true are important because the words are spoken by God. Just as Daniel heard from God and knew about the future and knew about what was and knew truth in his life and he was able to be guided and avoided death because of the words that he found from God, so we too can know about God. We can know truth. We can have power by reading this book. So many people are obsessed with knowing the future, obsessed with time travel and knowing what's going to happen. Well, how about this? Why not talk to the God who, I don't know, is currently in the future and in the past at the same time? Why not talk to the God who created the world about what's going to happen in the world? Because if you want to know, go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, you can learn about what's going to happen in the end of the world. You can learn about the last battle that will ever exist called Armageddon, where the armies of God will draw up against the armies of Satan, and God's going to crush Satan's face. You can read about that. You can read about the time when Christians will be in a moment, in the blink of an eye, called by trumpet, and every Christian on earth will disappear and be gone in a moment to heaven. And there will be seven years on earth of tribulation, famines, wars, hardships. And you can laugh at that if you want and say it's not true. Or you can look at the 2,000 predictions the Bible's already made and think, hey, maybe this thing's actually accurate. This book is unchanging. This book is true. This book is powerful because God is unchanging. God is true. God is powerful. And he gives this book to us for a purpose. That we might read it and it might change our lives. That we might be living our life in a certain way and we read that and we are prodded by that, we're taught by that. And it's like, hey, hold on, maybe I should change the way that I'm living my life based on what I read here. That we should read it and be like, hold on, I should have a perspective that the world's going to end one day and I'm going to have to stand before God in heaven. Maybe I should live my life in a certain way. It's useful for correcting. It's useful for rebuking. It's useful for teaching and training in righteousness. As you can read in 2 Timothy. Chapter 3, verse 16. God's word is inspired by God. It's truthful. And when you read this, you can take it to the bank. People might scoff at you for believing it. But one day they will know when the things of the Bible actually take place and are finished taking place. All will know that God's word is true. I want to encourage you guys. Read this. You have right here an answer to so many of the world's questions. The world is asking themselves, what is meaning of life? And I'm like, hey, got it right here. 
It's right here. Where did we come from? Hey, it's totally like in this book. You can just, chapter one, literally. Where are we going? Hey, go to the end of the book in Revelation, and I can tell you where we're going. Why am I here to glorify? It's in this, like, really, it's right here, dude. I don't know why you keep asking these questions. What will happen in the future? It's right here, dude. Right here. How should I live? I give up. I give up. I quit. I mean, it's right here, guys. All the questions the world's searching for. All the questions it's asking. All the questions that we ask. How am I to live? How am I to do with my friends? How am I to do with my family? What is the way in which I should conduct myself and live? Read this. It'll tell you. Study this. It'll tell you. Are there times where it might be confusing? Of course it is. There are times where this thing confuses me. I'm 25 and I've been to Bible college and still there are times where I'm like, what does that even mean? But I pray about it. I'm like, God... Help me with what this means. I ask questions. I go to Pastor Gary. I'm like, hey, Gary, what does this mean? Come to me. Ask me questions. But if you've never read this on your own, I want to encourage you. Go to the book of John. Start reading. You can read about literally the most influential human being to ever walk the earth because he's not just a human being. He's God Almighty. You can read about the miracles he performed in taking people who were dead to life How he took people who were blind and gave them sight. You can read about how he changed the entire world without a sword in his hands. And how he freed captives and took people who were dead and made them alive. It's here. If you want to know God, read about him. Read about what he's been up to last forever. Read about what he will be up to in the future. You want to know what he's like? Read about what he's done. Read about what he says to you as he speaks to you through this Bible. Know that this is true, it is powerful, it is living, it is active, it is even breathing. Take the time to hear what God is saying to you through this word. You won't regret it. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, there is power in your words because you are powerful. And when you speak something, God, it becomes true. That's how powerful you are, and that's how true you are. And Lord, as we look at your word, I I pray that we would understand the gravity and the weight that it has. Might we obey you, might we serve you and love you. It's in your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, you guys are free to go.